Hey guys, this is Eric and you're listening to Bucket Talk, powered by Brunt. Better known as the Dirt Ninja, Tom Gardaki has loved heavy machinery since he was a toddler. With already 28 years of experience under his belt, hear how he leveraged his passion to not only become a YouTube sensation, but built a career that he looks forward to working every single day. This is Bucket Talk, a weekly podcast for people who work in the trades and construction that aren't just trying to survive, but have the ambition and desire to thrive. The opportunity in the trades and construction is absolutely ridiculous right now. So if you're hungry, it's time to eat. We discuss what it takes to rise from the bottom to the top with people who are well on their way and roll up their sleeves every single day. As I mentioned, I'm here with Tom Gardaki, a.k.a. the Dirt Ninja. So, Tom, we got a lot to talk about today. One, not only are you owner, operator, partner in your own business, but you have the unusual factor of you're also, I'd, you know, whether you call it an influence or a personality or a brand in the social media world, and those two things kind of come together. But I'd say back us up to the early days, you know, where, you know, tell us about your background, you know, where whatever you're comfortable with, where you grew up and how you kind of got to where you are today and, uh, and start there. Hey, Eric. Thanks for having me on. So I started my career uh, with my parents' landscaping and hardscaping business. So they've had uh, a landscaping business here in Londonderry, New Hampshire, for about 45 years running now. Uh, So I grew up in the family. Yeah, family business. Been going a long, long time. I actually started uh, on heavy equipment when I was about four. My dad used to come home at the day, at the end of the day and uh, you know unload trucks from whatever they did for the day and load them for the next day. So I'd go out and uh, hop in the machines or sit on his lap and run the equipment and load the trucks, unload the trucks. So and kind of progressed from there. I actually started working on job sites and running equipment on job sites when I was 10. Yeah, it was... Uh, it was a ton of fun. I mean, not many 10-year-olds get that opportunity. Uh, so I had a ton of fun with it. I scared a ton of customers because my, my dad would literally, like, we'd go and do a new front lawn, and he'd get all the material delivered, then he'd drop off the machine, and he'd just drop me off and leave me. Wow. And so <laughs> the homeowner's looking out and seeing this little 10-year-old running the machine around in their yard. And that's get a lot. I mean, obviously, times have changed, and you're still pretty young, but even times have changed where... That stuff's probably pretty illegal at this point, but but even you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, it probably was still a little bit you could get away with it, especially up in a, a nice free state like New Hampshire. That's exactly right. And actually, <laughs> when you work for, for your own business, uh, for your family company, you can actually work when you're a little bit younger. So, oh, nice. yeah, it was, okay. it was great. You know, it's kind of funny when I first started, I, we actually used to have to put like a 50 pound bag of seed behind me in the seat so I could reach the pedals in the skid steer. It was a lot of fun. But it so it sounds like you had the ben- you had the benefit of the family business, which allowed you to get the coveted, the also coveted machine time, which is really the hard part of breaking into that into your business that you'll talk about, I'm sure. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. So yeah, Sweet. it got me into that, and I kind of you know grew up every summer, worked for my parents. What I used to do was I used to work for one of my parents' foremen, who was not the he was an awesome foreman, knew his stuff, but he was not the greatest uh, operator. Uh, so I would always go and run the machines on his job sites for the whole summer, worked w- with him, learned a lot from him. He was an awesome guy. I got all my musical, my rock musical taste from him. So I picked up a lot. <laughs> uh, so oh, that's kind awesome. Of, 
progressed through that, um, you know, through high school. And then I decided uh, I went to the University of New Hampshire and I got two associate's degrees. So I got a associate's degree in construction management and associate's degree in business management. I kind of knew by that point, I really, my real passion is running the equipment. I love doing it. And I grew up in the family business. So I knew the hardscaping was very hard work. It's, you know, a lot of labor, very labor intensive. My father's had a lot of knee surgeries and elbow surgeries and hernias and all that type of stuff that takes its toll on your body. So I kind of always really wanted to get into more excavation work. Let the the machines do the work instead of your body, basically. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I kind of just wanted kind of from doing the work of my parents, I kind of realized I didn't want to do that for the rest of my life. My parents, I was very lucky. They were super supportive of me and they did not mind that I didn't really have any interest in taking over the family business someday. So I went to school for three years, University of New Hampshire and graduated. And I worked for my parents full time as uh, their head foreman uh, up until 2015. So I, I graduated in 2009 and kind of, you know, kept going with the family business. And I'd always do like side projects with their equipment, uh, you know, on a Friday or a Saturday. My parents work a four day work week, uh, which is really nice. So I always had that Friday and Saturday to kind of like do my own thing. Um, so it was just like little jobs for homeowners or, like a little a builder would want me to put in some sauna tubes or something like that. So kind of just kind of got experience with that. I actually started after I graduated uh, with two partners, a real estate uh, investment company. So I got into renting. I uh, have some rental units uh, with two oh, wow. partners. Yeah. Nice. And then... The question on that, were you guys, and you yep. guys were buying them, rehabbing them and renting them or just doing the leasing and, and taking commission on that? Uh, no. So we were buying the buildings, you know, rehabbing whatever needed to be rehabbed and then holding on to them and renting them. And we actually had five buildings at one point and uh, oh, wow. we sold four of them last year. Uh, it was just a good time to sell and yeah. gain some money out of them. Our goal was always to get like one building with 20 units, you know, one yep. roof to maintain, one lawn to mow, one driveway to plow in the winter. Uh, so now we're kind of looking for that larger uh, building right now. So it's kind of like, just like Monopoly. Yes, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Collect them all up and use them. uh, Yeah. To turn it into a bigger hotel, basically. (laughs) Exactly. Sweet. So that led into, so one of the partners in that business, his name's Craig. He is also my partner in the excavation business. So I had tried, so Partnerships are very difficult. Um, you have to really get along with the person and you've got to work great together or it doesn't work. And I started a an online business in college uh, that was similar to um, like Craigslist, I guess, for college kids. And it didn't go anywhere. And I had like partners in it and the partners were good, but it was too many people and too many parts. And the thing just, it just never worked. So it sounds like, you learn the hardship of a of partnerships gone wrong, which are they rarely ever work. 
if they're based with friends and things of that nature, they're even harder depending on how those work out. Hopefully your partners turn into friends and your friends don't turn into partners. And then those things usually work. And so when you went into this, you kind of had the bumps and bruises from the first time of, you know, quote unquote lessons learned basically. Exactly. Yeah. Kind of, it's like everything you got to learn from your mistakes. So, yep, yep. um, so this time around, uh, you know, we had owned property together, you know, dealing with tenants and dealing with phone calls at 2 a.m. And who's going to go deal with the issue? You know, you really get to know the person inside and out. Um, yep, and yep. I knew that Craig was somebody that I could count on. And I'm sure he obviously felt the same way. So that kind of blossomed into one of the builders that I had kind of done work for on the side, when I still work for my parents, asked me if I wanted to buy his John Deere excavator. Uh, he didn't uh -huh. want it anymore. And that really got me thinking of, you know, he was willing to self-finance it. You know, I didn't have to put any money down. It was just a great opportunity to kind of try and get into the excavation realm. But yep. I knew I couldn't do it myself because as much as I know how to move dirt and run equipment, I had done landscaping and hardscaping my whole life. So, yep. you know, I learned in college about excavation, but I never really did real excavation work. Right. Uh, right. So I uh, talked to my partner now, Craig, um, and we had talked about it before about maybe starting it. You know, we decided to go ahead and buy the machine and take the plunge. So he had worked for right out of college. He had worked for a couple of different large excavation companies. So he had tons and tons of experience doing all different types of site work stuff. So he is he is definitely way more knowledgeable than I am on the terms of uh, you know doing the site work and the proper order to do things. I'm I'm more of like a go get it done type of person. <laughs> yep. Yep. And uh, he's more of like let's think it through and actually do it in the proper order. Um, so we work very well together. And, and that's, so, so when you kick that off, what, how old were you at that point? Well, roughly? I'm 32 now. And, uh, so what is that? Uh, I was like 28. Wow. Something like wow. that. 27, 28 decided. So to do you that. already had, you already had a real estate business under your belt and you guys are going on to another business basically that to, to pile on, uh, to what you already were working on. Yeah, we figured we didn't have enough going on, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's twenty-four hours yeah. in a day. I mean, you gotta you gotta burn as many as you can. So <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> so we decided to start it, and we started it only working Fridays and Saturdays. So we figured it was a great way to try and figure it out. You know, we had never run a business like this, so you know, having that flexibility with my parents where they didn't work on Fridays, I was able to do work on Fridays. And then Craig was able to help out on Saturdays because who he worked for, he worked five days a week. The first, I think it was about the first year to a year and a half, we actually didn't even pay ourselves because we kind of knew working two days a week and trying to pay yourself, there's really not going to be much money left over to when we do want to go full-time to kind of invest in, you know, I mean, we didn't even have a pickup truck, you know, we didn't have, yeah. we had, an excavator. And that was it. So we knew we needed to build up some capital to invest into the business. And when one of us decided to go full time, you know, buy that person a truck and all the necessary tools and all those type of things that you need when you go full time. So 
uh, about a year, year and a half passed and everything was going great. And Craig uh, decided that, well, we decided together, but Craig decided to go and start doing it full time. So Craig started full time and I would still help him on Fridays and Saturdays. And we worked a lot of Sundays too, uh, trying to get stuff done. So he'd, you know, go in and do the bulk of the work. And then I'd come in and, you know, help him out by running the machines. And, you know, it was a lot of planning, you know, a lot of things that took two people, we kind of had to wait till the end of the week to do. So it was a, it was a challenge, but we kind of made that work and we kind of went with that right up until last year. Uh, we hired our first employee, uh, in August and it has been fantastic. So I, I actually still work for my parents two to three days a week. They've been great with letting me you know, I always ask my father every weekend, hey, you know, what days do you need me? What days don't don't you need me? Because I've, I've basically committed to him Monday through Wednesday. Uh, but yep. if he doesn't need me for a day, he usually lets me go and, you know, do my own thing, which is great. They, My parents' business, they used to have like 15 employees. Now they're down to six. They really rely on me um, a lot. They're very close to retirement, probably one to two years away. And I just yep. feel like I can't really run out on them. Even though we have enough work that I could go full time, I just re- feel really obligated to them to to help them out and make sure you know in their last couple of years it still goes well and and help them out the best that I can because they've helped us out a lot too. One of the more entrepreneurial juggling acts because you're dealing with the family business, which you want to keep going for based on what they've done for you. You've got your own business, which you want to put more time into, but you know at the same time you owe the people that really put you put you to where you are and and you've got some other stuff going on right real estate stuff going in the background so it sounds like the biggest thing for you is like time management and what you're spending your time on which business which company type what you're in what you're focusing on yeah it gets to be honest with you it gets very very difficult um luckily we're at a point with the uh, rental units that not much time needs to be afforded to that. We have really good tenants now. And if, uh, oh, if anybody has rental apartments, they <laughs> know that good tenants make all the difference because if you have <laughs> yeah. crappy tenants and you're getting co- phone calls about, you know, little stupid things every night, uh, it can just make your life miserable. Um, but we have really good tenants now. So my energy can be really focused on the excavation business. My parents are good. I don't have to do, you know, I'm not doing any estimates or quotes or I go in and work and then I come home at the end of the day for them. So there's really no like after school activities for them yep. that I need oh, to do. Um, yep. Yep. It's really all for the excavation business, you know, and that's really what I want to invest my time in anyways. That's, that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. So, all right. So it sounds like you got a few years left of the family business as your parents start to want, you know, figure out what the, what retirement basically looks like. And then you're going to, as that transitions, you guys will figure out what to do with that business, sell it or whatever it may be, or wind it down. But then you're going to, you're going to put full gas on the pedal on the excavation business as soon as it makes sense for, for you and your family, basically. Yeah, exactly. And I think even uh, my father's somebody who can never retire. Um, so, you know, he'll probably even come and drive a truck for us or something. So I'm, I'm yeah. sure uh, he'll come over. I mean, my mom, uh, she does all the books. For my parents' business, um, she yep. helps me out. I do all the books for the excavation business. So she helps me out when I have questions. She helps me out with payroll and all those type of things. So 
So maybe I can get her to come over and work a couple of days <laughs> a week for me and <laughs> take, take that off my plate. That'd be great. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So tell us about the name of the company. I mean, what, you know, and what the plan is. It's you two. You got your first employee. The type of work you're, you know, obviously there's some commercial, some residential, the type of work, what you like to do, what you want to do, how, how you want to go. Tell us about like the, the current status of the excavation business. Okay. So we are, uh, it's New Era Excavation. We're based out of Londonderry, New Hampshire. Uh, we specialize right now in high-end custom home excavation, uh, new homes. So we work for a bunch of custom home builders, you know, guys who build one, maybe two homes in a year. Yeah, big, you know, big money clients, uh, big houses, you know, big excavation work, that type of stuff. We're not really big into, you know, like the cookie cutter type thing. I don't know. I think yeah. we get, I would get bored with it, to be honest with you. I really yep. like a challenge. I like something different. I like the tight lots that have no room to do anything. I love showing up at the job and going, how the heck are we going to do this job? That's <laughs> what I yep. like to see. You know, that's a challenge. And I think yep. we have all the tools, we have the equipment, and we have the people to get those jobs done. So I think we would love to have probably six to eight total employees. We'll keep it small. We want really want to get into small uh, commercial site work as well, which we've been trying. We've been bidding those jobs. It's it's hard to get into. We actually just acquired a new excavator uh, about three months ago, a big one, a Komatsu PC360, uh, that will it. really help us get into those larger jobs because before we'd always have to include a rental of a machine. And when yep. you're competing against other big companies that already own their equipment, it's really hard to compete with them. So we did not have very good success uh, with our bidding. You know, small roads, small commercial site works, we bid on them. Uh, really haven't gotten many of them. We've gotten a few, but not many. So I hope, you know, as we continue to grow and, you know, gain people, gain experience, gain equipment, we can be more competitive in that realm. But, you know, we're doing really well with the the custom site work for homes we also yep. do septic system replacements uh we do we still work for homeowners so you know if somebody just wants a one day you know they got a bunch of trees cut down we'll come in pull the stumps regrade it throw out new loam um and so they can have a new lawn so we kind of specialize in all that type of work yep so that stuff keeps the lights on keeps things moving when you have but then the big jobs are what get you you really excited about getting into something unique and challenging and tough. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, we've done a lot of really tough uh, house lots and really excelled with them because the builders keep using us. So that's always yep. my telltale sign of if we did a good job, you know, they they call us back for the next one. And, and we have a couple of builders that pretty much just use us exclusively, which is awesome. So they kind of, you know, Got it's it. a... Everything about business is a relationship. So you are, have a relationship with your builder. You know, you got you to gotta work through things. You know, it's, it's site work. Things always go wrong. You're dealing with the weather. You have breakdowns. The plans are wrong. You know, but as long as you are reasonable with these builders, you know, they want it done right. And we want to do it right. And I think that's why it works so well. So obviously what I, what I think of New Hampshire and I've got some rental properties up in New Hampshire up through Franconia notch, but I think of a lot of land, uh, you know, sparse acres versus, you know, I'm down in Massachusetts where, so are you doing stuff like oceanfront and, and stuff that's up, you know, it sounds like you guys are obviously dealing with really high end clientele, which is way above what I'm dealing with. But 
So tight lots in New Hampshire, or are you down here in the New Hampshire area where, you know, tell me about the type of customer clientele, you know, because it sounds like you guys are dealing with some tricky stuff. Yeah, so we, we're kind of all over southern New Hampshire. Uh, and if you're familiar with New Hampshire, southern New Hampshire is just booming right now. Um, they are expanding. We have, if you're not from New Hampshire, you'll laugh at this, but uh, there is one interstate in New Hampshire, and it runs north-south. And <laughs> it had been two lanes, Interstate 93. It had been two lanes uh, forever. And they are right now almost done. I'd say they got about a year or two left on expanding it from two lanes to four lanes. So what that's doing is the cost of living is so much less here in New Hampshire than Massachusetts. Uh, so we have a lot of those people in Massachusetts or work in Massachusetts, but they want to live in New Hampshire. Uh, so got the it. southern part of the state is just expanding. There are, I, like you said, when you think of New Hampshire, it's wide open and trees and everything like that. Southern part of the state, there are no good house lots left. They're either Got on it. a slope, they're all ledge, or they're in a swamp. Got so it. we're working everywhere from the seacoast, right? We're on a, a beach house uh, right now, to a lake house, to a house that is 7,500 square feet. And we just spent uh, a month and a half hammering out the foundation because it was 100% wow. ledge. So wow. we kind of, you know, it's, we do a lot. We have a lot of different projects going on at once, all at various stages. Um, Cause you know, with home construction, we're typically the first person in, right. Do the site work, get the foundation ready. Concrete guy comes in, we backfill. And then typically we leave because the framers need to get in and all the other trades yep. need to get into the site. And then we get called back at some point when the septic system needs to go in and then when the loam needs to be screened. And then typically we're either the last person there or second to last uh, besides a landscaper. Uh, so we're kind of span the whole project. So yep. you're the bookends. You see the beginning and you see the end, basically. Exactly. Exactly. So we try and space out our new house lots. So we're not, you know, trying to dig two foundations at the same time. So we try and offset them. So we can be constantly moving around. And that's probably the biggest challenge with our business right now is yeah. logistics and schedule because things change in construction in general, literally every day. Things don't go right. You have a breakdown. Now you're a day behind. You know, we, it, I always laugh. We try and make a plan two weeks <laughs> in advance. And yeah. beyond that, I can't really plan. We, we can have a general plan. Oh, we're going to start that job next month. But like an actual, what we're doing every day pretty much goes two weeks at a time and it gets adjusted every single day at the end Got of the day. It. And, it, and it sounds like your partner, Craig is that's, that's actually his expertise in wheelhouse. And it allows, I'm not sure it works this way, but tell, couldn't tell me if I'm wrong, but he's, he's looking at the calendar and timing and, and he thinks of you as like his most, you know, his, his Tom Brady or his star athlete or how are we going to use Tom's time the most, you know, most efficiently here and moving around jobs and calendars and all that stuff. Well, I don't know about that, but we got, we have a very, we hired a very talented operator, Pat, uh, last year. So he's been able to fill in a lot for me, which has been absolutely fantastic and taking a lot of the pressure off of me. Oh, got it. Um, nice. You know, okay. Having to do a lot of the, the, operation of the equipment work. Um, oh, but I would say that the scheduling is more of a, a joint task between us because I'm usually dealing with 
the customers and phone calls with the builders and everything like that. And not saying that Craig doesn't do that, but I usually typically handle the bulk of that. So it's more of Craig communicating with me and us making a plan together. So that's, it's really a a joint thing that we do together. Craig is, Craig is the guy on the ground doing the site layout and reading the plans and making sure we're doing it properly. And uh, he is a huge stickler uh, for quality uh, and it's been fantastic for the business. You know, I think our customers really see the quality and I think that's an awesome thing that he brings to the table is, you know, it has to be done right. There is no exceptions. And I, I got really it. Like it. So it sounds like you guys are in tandem on every, instead of, all right, you go do this, Tom and Craig's going to go do this. You guys are in sync on almost everything, you know, while yeah. you're doing your work or, or your new hire is actually doing his work, which he sounds like he's great. Craig's also there kind of directing traffic and making sure everything's going to plan. So you guys are really, it's not a divide and conquer yet, or maybe ever, it's a, we're making sure together we're doing exactly what we told the client we're going to do and we're going to execute on. Exactly. Yeah. We, we have to work together. You know, it's just too many things going on to really, you know, have two separate, you know, philosophies or anything like that. We have, we have to work together and we have to be in constant communication. Craig's the one who does all the scheduling of deliveries and, you know, scheduling trucks and moving of machines and all that type of stuff. So, you know, he has to communicate with me about how the schedule's going because I have to communicate with the builder, you know, so it's just, you, you have to work together. And, yep. and that's why I think we've had success is because we work so well together. Got it. Got it. Okay. So awesome. All right. So I think we've got a good sense of new area, new era where it is today. And also, you know, if you're down the road where it's, you know, the plans are to, you know, basically take over the world, which I think you guys are going to do, you have something very unique about you, right? That you're, we're talking to you as Tom, but you're also known in the world as the dirt ninja, right? People don't even, people don't even know if on one side of the world, they don't even know who Tom is, they actually just know the dirt ninja. Tell us about how the dirt ninja came to be and how that's kind of impacted yourself and your business and all that stuff. So I got started on YouTube in 2010. And that's the first social media I kind of started with. I was always a big fan of watching other people on YouTube running equipment. It's a funny thing. If you're if you're an equipment operator, for some reason, you'll run equipment all day for eight, 10 hours, and then you'll come home and you'll watch YouTube of other guys running equipment. It's a really weird thing. So <laughs> I always used to come home and watch other people run equipment. And I was like, hey, I think I could do that. Uh, so I think I got a camera, digital camera from my parents for a birthday or something. And I set it up it's funny if you go back and look at my first video, it is awful. It's like behind a pile of dirt. You can't even see what I'm doing. I, I had no clue what I was doing. But it kind of expanded from there. And I was putting up a lot of videos. You know, YouTube is extremely hard to grow. It's To me, it's by far the mo- the hardest social media channel. It's been around the longest. It's saturated with content. Yeah. Uh, it also takes the most amount of effort to create the content, right? If you got... Facebook or Instagram, you can just snap a picture and throw it up. It takes you two minutes, right? But if you want to be good on YouTube, you really need to film the footage and then you need to edit it and then you got to put it up. So it takes the most amount of effort as well. So kind of, you know, was putting up videos, was kind of gaining traction, but not that great. 
and then I put up a video that's called Beer Bottle Excavator Trick. And it's uh, me stacking two beer bottles on top of each other and then putting a golf ball on top of the two beer bottles that are stacked up uh, <laughs> with our mini excavator. And that went viral, which was super cool. It was getting uh, 500,000 views a day for the first two days. I think it's got wow. somewhere around two, 2 million views right now. And that's really what put me on the map. You know, my local WMUR News 9 here in New Hampshire uh, came out and did a did a story on me. I was on the front page of like Yahoo News. Uh, I used Sam Adams beer bottles. Sam Adams reached out to me, wanted me to re or wanted permission to repost the video on their website. Wow. So it just kind of like launched my social media career, I guess you'd call it. It led into, I was actually cast for a TV show on the Discovery Channel um, that aired three pilot episodes. It was called Machines of Glory. It was a uh, heavy equipment operating competition show. And I was on the show with two other uh, actual social media guys. And uh, we actually ended up winning our episode, which was super cool. So it's just led to a ton of experiences. I've traveled all over the world because of this. I've been to Sweden because of it. I've been to Japan because of it. I've been all over the United States because of it. So it's wow. just a super, super, it's way more than I ever expected it to be. It's just led to so many opportunities. I've talked to so many awesome people from all over the world. So kind of technology with our business, you know, we, we've invested a lot in technology and yep. we, we have Trimble grade control systems in all of our machines. We use GPS, Trimble GPS to do all our layouts. We have uh, what are called NCON tilt rotators on our machines. Yeah. Um, so just things that just make us much more efficient. I, well, NCON was not even in the U.S. when we started looking at buying tilt rotators. And yeah, so I was wow. like, hmm, how am I going to, you know, there's three major brands. How do I determine what one would be best for us? So I use my social media and I talk to people over in Europe. I mean, how would you have done that <laughs> right. you know, 10, 20 years ago? You have all that knowledge right at your fingertips and you can just direct message somebody and I'm more than willing to bet they're going to respond right back and give you their honest feedback. So it's it's just a super cool thing. Wow. Wow. So, okay. So you've got, so not only do you have multiple businesses in the real estate and new era and partnerships, but you're the, you know, the Dirt Ninja is, is a, you could argue a business onto itself, right? And you use it to more open up doors than to monetize it. But yeah, so in terms of technology, not only are you guys, you know, most businesses talk about technology of like, all right, we're going to use modern technology, new equipment, but you're leveraging the latest and the greatest, which is, all right, how do we take social media, which is, you know, as you've learned, you go viral, all of a sudden you go into it a different league right which is the hardest part and it opens up doors that you could have never if you were just an equipment operator with your head down in new hampshire not really posting anything you'd probably still be very successful but this is taking you into a almost a different kind of i wouldn't say league but it's opened up doors that would have never been opened up right absolutely it's um we don't so my content is not about me it's about what i post is about the content it's yep. you almost never see my face. Uh, yep. And I do that on purpose. It's not I don't care. You know, you know, everybody's like, oh, you're famous. I don't think of myself like that. I'm just a guy who digs holes and I post videos and post pictures about it uh, yep. that has a large following. 
I am all about quality content, informative content, and good content. Yeah. And not about myself. Um, it's about what I'm doing, what I'm explaining. You know, not many 32 year olds have been running equipment since they were four. Uh, have right, 28, right. you know, how many of them have 28 years of experience when you're 32 years right. old? Probably not very many. So I enjoy sharing all the things that I've learned over the years. It just helps you build the biggest thing with social media is credibility. It takes yep. so long to build it and it takes literally one post to lose it. So I am huge on that. We use the main purpose of the social media now is making connections and helping promote and show off our business. Yeah. It's kind of like our, if you go on our website, uh, newairexcavation.com, you'll find my social media is all over there. There's videos on there. It's like almost instant credibility to a customer when they come and check us out. They can see a project start to finish in a time-lapse video. You know, in four yeah. minutes, they can see a, a whole project start to finish, see what we do. You can watch all the videos. You can see how I explain things. You know, it, it shows that we know what we're doing. So that is our biggest or my biggest use of the social media is to benefit the business, to help us out, to make those relationships with dealers, with manufacturers of products, other people just in our area. I can't even tell you how many just other companies in the area who are on social media have reached out to me and like, oh, you know, if you ever need a truck, you know, let me know for a day or you need a machine to rent or, you know, it's just, it's all about networking. And the more you network, you know, the more successful you'll be. So it's just been yep. a huge, huge asset for us. No, and I, and I can confirm it is not about you personally, because when Mark, our, our mutual friend, Mark said, hey, the dirt, you know, I grew up with the dirt ninja and he's like, I'll introduce you to Tom. It was impossible for me to even find your name, Tom Gardak. I was like, <laughs> I don't even know who the Dirt Ninja is. He's so buried in the internet. And so it was like, wow, it is literally like he, it's not about him at all. It's about the platform and the business and, and what he's doing, which is which is the right play, right? If it's about you and what you do and what you eat for breakfast and how you think about things, there, there's also there's a different avenue for that. But Right. Yeah. I think too many people these days, this is just my opinion, want to be, you know, insta famous. Right. Yeah. And it's all about them. You know, every picture they post on Instagram has their face in it, you know, stuff like that. And you don't really have any credibility when you do that. You, you right. got to post good content, you know, real, real stuff, you know, helpful things, help other people out. Don't be afraid to give away your secrets. I get asked that all the time. Why, why would you, you know, give away your secrets? You've been running equipment for 28 years. Why would you, you know, give that away? You're going to help your competition. Well, I don't really care about that. I'm about <laughs> right. helping, helping other people. And to be honest with you, I think we're going to do it better than the competition anyway. So I'm not really worried about that. Right, right, right. No, that's, that's, that's incredible. So no, so, so, okay. So you've got a ton of stuff in the hopper. You've got multiple businesses, family business, you've got your own, you know, your personal brand, even though you really use it as a company brand, which I think is the right play. Tell us what's the biggest thing that keeps you up right now for the past few weeks. Obviously we're dealing with COVID, you know, we're kind of getting to hopefully there's some light at the end of the tunnel there, but from your business perspective, especially from a new era perspective, what are you losing sleep over? What do you, is it? you know, new jobs, hiring more people, equipment, all that stuff. Tell us what your biggest, 
you know, challenges that, that you're facing at the stage you're at? So we haven't really been affected by the COVID, thankfully. I know there's a lot of people that have, and, and it's, you know, obviously been terrible, but we haven't been affected and we are probably busier than we have ever been in the history of the company. And we are very nervous about expanding. Um, you know, we really don't want to purchase new equipment, even though we just did. But that was for a specific job and the job pretty much paid for the machine. We yeah. don't really want to hire more people because both Craig and I are very like once we hire somebody, we want them to work for us forever. We want to treat yep. them right. We never want them to leave. We want to take care of them. They're the number one goal. We, I will pay them over myself if that's what it comes down to. Um, that's how we kind of the philosophy of, of our business is. Um, yep. So our biggest challenge right now is we have so much work. We had a ton of rain in April. So we got very behind. We had a job, the hammering job went over by a half a month of our estimated time that we thought it was going to take. So we're very behind. Obviously, we want to keep up with our current builders and keep them happy. So it's really like, it's logistics. It's how do we move the machines around the most efficient way? What machine do we put where to do the job most efficiently? Who do we put at each job to do it most efficiently? So it's just... It's a it's a good problem, I guess, but it is still a problem. So we're just trying to I hope after this like next month and a half time we can kind of get caught up. But it is it's very stressful when you're getting calls from, you know, an awesome builder that has given you tons and tons of work in the past and he goes, You need to get here because I need you and you're at another job. So what do you do? Yep. So it's it's a like I said, a good problem, but it's still a problem. So it sounds like it boils down to you guys want to build a company that is 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 not an enterprise that someday you have tens of thousands of employees. And so because of that, you guys want to keep keep it tight, keep it in control. When you bring someone on, you want them to be part of the new era family, hopefully forever, if that works out that way. And so the challenge is, is you guys do incredible work. Customers love you. And there's more demand than you guys have supply for right now, but you also don't want to build, you know, if, if you, if you met all that demand, you'd be building a much bigger company than what you guys really want, which I think is actually pretty impressive because most people will chase demand. Oh, we got to, all right, let's hire someone else. Let's hire someone else. Let's buy more equipment. And then that's where you kind of get upside down markets change, or all of a sudden you guys wake up and you're like, we've got like a hundred employees. We didn't, we don't want to be in the, people management business. We want to be in doing great work business. And so you guys, I think are pretty, it sounds like you're pretty disciplined on knowing what you guys want the company to be. And what's stressing you out is you guys, there's too much demand for what you guys are delivering. Exactly. Yeah. It's, you know, I want to run a machine for the rest of my life. I don't want to sit in an office and, you know, manage 20, 40, 100 guys. That's not what I want to do. I want to be out doing the work. That's what I love to do. And I think Craig feels the same way. So, you know, we want to remain hands-on. And obviously, when a, a business owner remains hand on, hands-on, usually the quality can stay up. And that's what we're really yep. big about. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of right now, you know, we have so much work. And yes, we could go hire somebody right now. And we could put them to work and, and be, keep them busy. We could probably go buy another machine right now. And keep it busy. But yeah. it's like keeping those things in check and 
especially with this COVID thing too, because now there's some uncertainty. You know, we had a lot of the projects we had or we're doing now were booked last fall, you know, houses that were already in the planning stages. So it's like, okay, let's see how the next year goes and kind of feel it out. We don't want to expand right now and buy more equipment and hire more guys. Then all of a sudden our workload shrinks right down because of the economy or something, the COVID thing comes back. You know, we just, we got to be very cautious. You know, the the financial side of the business is so important. And I think a lot of people, especially in excavation, small companies kind of mess that up. Some of my very good friends, you know, did awesome work, but they didn't manage the business side. It's, in my opinion, the business side is slightly more important than the actual doing work side because you can be the best site contractor, do the best work, but if you're a horrible businessman, your business isn't going to work. If you're a yeah. great businessman and you do terrible work, you can probably make it work. Um, <laughs> right, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. But so that the financial side is just, you know, super important and and like I said, we want to we want to keep guys around. I don't want to lay pad off if we slow down. Right. Like I want to make right. sure we have you know, money saved up that if we don't have work for a month, I can still pay him and we can still pay ourselves. You know, I don't want to lay him off. That's not what we're about. It's you come to work for us. We're going to take care of you. We want you to work here for the rest of your life. So that's kind of our whole philosophy. I love it because you hit on the financial piece, which is, you know, my, my thesis in life. And there's, there's a lot of theses. One is, you know, put the pedal to the floor, lever everything up, but when economies crash or COVID comes, then, you know, people lose their entire companies. I've been on the mindset similar. It sounds like you guys personally, and you guys are doing it from the business, which is live well below your means. You guys could easily go buy a bunch more machines from the biggest names, finance them. You got great credit, all that stuff. Hire a bunch of people. But then you're you're exposing yourselves. And right now you might be missing out on some revenue and some more money but you have control of your destiny versus when you go the other route where you're levered up and you're at the control of kind of the market. And if that market doesn't go well, your business goes sideways fast. Controlled no. expansion. Exactly. Yeah. Very thoughtful, yeah. controlled expansion. Probably, yeah. you know, most people would critique it and saying, wow, they could have grown that. You know, they could have doubled last year and maybe you, you did 50% growth, but you're like, well, listen, we, we didn't have to lose sleep over like, are we going to be able to pay people? Or are we going to be able to pay off those machines? And so you trade off hyper growth for you're running a good business, like a really profitable business that, yeah, maybe you left something on the table, but at the end of the day, you're going to still have your business. And the other people who are riding, riding it more of the cowboy style, they might not have their business if things go sideways. That's the goal anyways. We'll see how it plays out. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you guys are on the right track. Okay, so this has been incredible. I mean, I feel like I've, I've, you know, this is like from everything you're doing, right? From from the real estate stuff to new era to the dirt engine, how that those kind of all things work, which is incredible. This has just been fascinating into a different side of the dirt engine. You know, I spent a bunch of time on your social media over the past few weeks and just seeing what you went out to Colorado and built the dirt bike ramps and all that stuff, which is like incredible, which for any listeners out there to just go check out the Instagram account. There's just incredible work that so diverse outside of what we talked about tonight, but let's lighten things up a little bit. And so we'll take it off of work for a minute. So for Tom Gardaki or AKA the dirt ninja, you know, if you could spend a half an hour with anyone in the world, who would it be and why? 
Uh, 100%, I would want to sit down with Elon Musk. Uh, he is uh, he is a totally wacko, <laughs> but I don't know. He just if you look at all the companies he started, he's a very forward-thinking person. You know, kind of like the cutting edge. I mean, who makes it their goal to build a rocket company because they want to go land on Mars, and who? you know, starts the largest solar company in the United States and who starts an electric car company, you know, only makes electric cars. So I just, he he fascinates me. I read his, uh, a a book about him has just been absolutely fascinating. You know, now he's getting into dirt work. He has the boring company and he just drills holes in the ground. He's just a, he's a very fascinating person to me. I'd love to sit down with him and just hear his philosophy of kind of like, forward thinking and thinking like what is next what does society need next he's a very interesting person i love it so it's funny so i read that exact same book not only did it make me feel very small for what i'm trying to accomplish (laughs) on a daily basis but it made me like dude this guy's trying to solve like massive problems not to mention he's doing like four at the same time tesla the boring company you know the solar panels and they kind of all tie together but it's funny. Yeah. It's now that you mentioned that it makes sense because I'm not trying to say Tom Gardaki or the Dirt Ninjas, Elon Musk, but like you're doing four things or three or four things that they all kind of feed into each other. And so I, it kind of makes sense why that's the type of guy you want to talk to, because even though they're completely unrelated, they actually all kind of feed into it. You're learning things from one side of the business that's helping the other side of the business and vice versa. And so that's uh, I love to hear that. And then the last question. So the biggest thing. So you're working it sounds like you're working, you know, a couple days a week with the family business. Then you're working a couple days, and it sounds like it's three and two, but I'm sure those change and those blend into really seven. But when you're when you're able to take some time off the machine and you're able to take some time off the family business, you're you're able to unwind. What do you do, and what what charges you up when you're able to, you know, outside of work and watching even other operators, YouTube, you know, and all that stuff? What what do you like to do? I don't do much else, to be honest with you. Uh, it kind of consumes my life. Uh, but when <laughs> I do get free time, I love to spend it with my wife. Uh, she's my best friend. And, you know, there's a lot of nights that I'm in the office till 10 p.m. And she's already in bed. And we had dinner together and that was it. So any free time that I get, I like to spend with her. Go. We love mini golfing. Where uh, She's ultra competitive and so am I. So... <laughs> Love mini golfing. Um, her parents have a pool, so we'll go hang out at the pool. My grandparents live up on uh, Lake Winnipesaukee, so we'll go up there and hang out. So it's just, it's like getting away from it all is kind of uh, what I enjoy in my free time. Yeah, so it sounds like you're fully consumed with everything, and so it's unplugging, spending time with her, and saying, all right, I'm not going to think about machines, equipment, or business, and we're going to do our thing when uh, when we can. Exactly, yeah. And I also... I'm also a fifth degree black belt in uh, Kempo Karate. So I've actually been doing that for 27 years now. Uh, and it is a great way to blow off steam. So go in and uh, I'm really into the MMA stuff. Uh, I yep. will never, never, ever actually get in a ring and fight because I think you have to be a little bit crazy to do that. Um, but I love <laughs> going in and training uh, on a Saturday and just blowing off some steam with a whole bunch of other guys uh, that I get along with well. So yeah, there's a few different things that I do. So that ties the entire, by the way, that was an unexpected uh, tidbit that ties the Dirt Ninja 
completely together. You Literally, go. you're in dirt 90% of the time and you're a ninja the other percent of the time. Not many people know that story, but that is exactly <laughs> why the name is the name that it is. <laughs> got it. Got it. Awesome. So, Tom, thank you so much for taking the time to, uh, to you know, talk to us here at Bucket Talk. You know, obviously, our mission is a little bit different. You know, you obviously, everyone check out um, everything at New Era and Dirt Engine, what they've got going on. And we're just trying to kind of peek behind the scenes on, you know, what someone, you know, a young guy, what it, what the, what it takes to kind of step into the arena of starting your own business. And I wouldn't say you've sailed into the sunset, but you are well on your way at a really young age for, from what you, uh, kind of learn from your family business to starting your own businesses while you're in college to, to, you know, in your early thirties, which, you know, you're basically 30 years into your career, which most people that's usually in like their fifties or their sixties. So I think you're, uh, you're pretty well versed in, in how this all works. So no, thanks for taking the time. I know you got a lot going on, so we really, really appreciate it and, uh, would love to stay in touch. And then, uh, and then hopefully we'll connect after, after all this kind of COVID passes will be will be coming up your way in, in, in the neighborhood. So uh, would love to cool. love to meet in person. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was great. This is my uh, my first podcast, so it's kind of cool.